0: What is up, freaks? How you doing today? Got a good RHR rip for you guys. Hell of a rip. Interesting times in the world. You have the power to change the world. You just have to get off your ass. You just have to go shake your rancher's hand. You just have to go stoke the Bitcoin circular economy. It's up to you. Nobody's coming to save you. I think this is the message of the week here at TFTC. In the interview series, too. R.H.R. We can do it, freaks. We're going to win. It's going to take some effort. Stop jerking off. Stop doom scrolling. Walk outside. Get some sun on your balls and your vag if you're a girl. Be the change you want to see in the world. This trip is brought to you by our good friends at Unchain Capital. right down the hall from us here at the Bitcoin Commons in Austin, Texas. They're doing incredible things to make sure that you're using Bitcoin properly. They leverage Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties to create a collaborative custody model where you hold two keys, they hold one key. It's called their vault product. It's a great way to secure your Bitcoin. You're, you're leveraging multi-sig, which distributes your, your risk by having multiple keys in different geographic locations, so it's much harder to five dollar wrench attack you. You have the help of unchained capital. If you ever lose one of those keys, they're there to be the second in the two or three multi sig quorum. They have a Wake club concierge s- service that's going to take you from zero to having a multi sig vault set up with a thousand bucks worth of sats in it. If you tell them the TFT sent, TFTC sent you, you're going to get fifty dollars off that package. They have an IRA product. They have a lending product they're building a financial services platform leveraging bitcoin's native multi-sig properties are doing it better than anybody else go to unchained.com to check out everything they have going on not only their products but also their content their content is some of the best in the space if you're looking to orange post somebody unchained.com tell them tftc sent you you're going to get fifty dollars off the vault package, the concierge, the wake love concierge service. I'm going to wipe your butt, make sure that you're all good. This trip is also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains, I talk about it on the episode, In the three month look back, we haven't crossed 200. Um, 200 exahashes, Right. 199 just came up on the block clock here. TFTC Studios. Brains. Why did I bring that up? Because Brains, they're in the mining industry. They're pretty pivotal in the mining industry. They, they run Slush Pool, which is the oldest mining pool in existence. The first ever. Been around for quite a while. Stayed true to Bitcoin. They run Brains all Brains OS Plus, yeah, the boss, BOS Plus Firmware, which allows you to stack more sats with your hash. If you have an ASIC that's compatible with Brains OS Plus, and you're not using it, you're leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. You want Brains OS Plus Firmware on your ASIC if it's available. It's going to make your machines more efficient. It's going to make them last longer. It's going to help you stack more sats. It's a beautiful thing also have insights.brains. Again, that's brains with two eyes. Not again. I don't even, I don't even think I mentioned it yet. Insights. I n s i g h t s. dot brains. B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. It's a dashboard for all your mining data needs. We used it today in the show to look at hash value and hash price. Hash price is up 21 cents this week. It's nice to see it go up, but beware of rising energy prices. Brains Go to brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Check out SlushPool. Check out Brains OS Plus firmware. Check out the content. Check out insights.brains.com. And thank your local Brains representative. They're doing great things for the mining industry. Last but not least, this group was brought to you by good friends. at HODL, HODL 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 is here to leverage Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties to bring you a distributed exchange. No KYC, no AML and a distributed lending platform. No KYC, no AML. If you have Bitcoin or looking to acquire Bitcoin, you can go to hodlhodl.com and find people to sell you Bitcoin. No KYC, no AML. You can go to lend, L-E-N-D, dot com to access their lending platform, which again, has no KYC, no AML. You put your Bitcoin up in a two of three multi-sig escrow wallet. You hold one key, your counterpart holds one key. Your counterparty in the loan holds that key. And then uh, HODL Haddle holds the third key. You cannot move your Bitcoin throughout the duration of the loan, but you have visibility into the two or three multi that you know, so that you know that your sats are not being rehypothecated. And then you, you put your collateral in there, your Bitcoin collateral, and then you get stable coin liquidity. You go spend those stable coins however you see fit. And as long as you're paying back that loan plus the interest attached to it, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. If you're Stable coin guy or gal. You got some stable coins that are just sitting around. You want to get yield on them. This is a great way to do it. You Put them up and lend them out to Bitcoiners looking for liquidity, and they pay you back uh, the, the initial principal plus interest that you choose on top of that. And if they don't pay you back, you get the sats in the two or three multi at the end of the day. So you get made whole. Go to com to check out the lending platform. Go to hoddlehoddle.com com check out everything else they have going on incredible team there they will be having the Baltic Honey Badger conference this year as well I believe it's September 3rd and 4th in Riga, Latvia Um, I've been tw- I've been once it was an incredible conference one of the best I've ever been to Honey, Baltic Honey Badger conference back baby back enjoy this friend okay No, yeah. it's only getting more chaotic out there, Matt.
1: Have we hit Pete Clown World yet, Marty?
0: No, I said that's last week. I don't know. I I, know, I, don't but I like so. it as
1: a, I like it as a reoccurring segment. Yeah, just start off every show. Have we hit it yet?
0: When will be the day? I don't know. What I said at the end of last week's podcast is no. You have all these people um, trying to normalize some weird shit. And then you have the whole Taylor Lorenz TikTok thing. The amount of gaslighting that that, that woman um, participated in this week and executed on, tried to execute on the world was pretty impressive to say the least. But it, it was very interesting. Like she's, what, you're um, very passionate. But Passionate about not doxing people. Like, do you think Taylor Lorenz and the Washington Post had uh, a legitimate um, argument when they 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 doxed? I mean, I didn't libs. follow
1: it very closely. They doxed uh, the owner of libs of TikTok, right?
0: Yes, some woman. I will not say her real name, but yeah, the, um,
1: yeah. I mean, I mean, doxing is never okay. Uh, I don't think like uh, journalists get a free pass on that.
0: What's well, funny? <sighs> um, we don't have to focus on that I, too much. It, it's just, I
1: mean, specifically that account. But I mean, this goes beyond doxing. But I mean, specifically that account. Like I, everyone was getting triggered by that account, but they were just posting other people's content. They weren't. It wasn't even really commentary or anything. Yeah, it's it, just it, like here's a TikTok
0: similar to Defiant L's, um, which you got, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> which got. Literally just posting screenshots <laughs> of. of other people's content.
0: Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring that up because no, it, it, the clown world has not hit its top yet. And we'll so discuss. Yeah, I
1: think, I mean, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe there's a carve out there for journalists who are like, um, if it's like super powerful, influential people, um, I'm thinking something like the Panama Papers where you know a bunch of presidents and oligarch type people were all keeping their money secret and there was this massive uh leak and analysis of of where their money was and who was doing it and like that the icelandic prime minister uh had to resign because he was hiding all this cash in panama and other places um but if it's like a nim twitter account that posts content yeah
0: yeah. Well, that's what Taylor Lorenz was trying to say. That libs of TikTok but, yeah. is driving the narrative so much. They have such influence yeah, over I mean, the that's media. Bullshit,
1: right. I, yeah. I bet you most people didn't even know they existed until she reported on it. Right. in effect. Probably I guess the Panama thing. Papers wasn't really doxing necessarily.
0: Um yeah, it was. Yeah, it was.
1: It, it was like doxing financial information rather than individual. I guess it was like tying LLCs to people and stuff.
0: Yeah, like Vladimir Zel- or whatever—I don't know—was fr- Zelensky. He was he was caught up in the Panama Papers. A um, bunch of other people as well.
1: I think if you have to ask, like most of the time, you should side with respecting people's right to privacy.
0: Yes, especially in an environment where everything's very polarized. And again, like you said, Libs of TikTok, just posting other people's content which if you go through it is pretty, uh, there's a lot of grooming going on uh, on TikTok from certain individuals. That
1: you know, I it. know personally myself, like I will never participate or support anyone who who tries to out someone who wants privacy. Uh, we call that doxing. Um, but I think it should be a wake-up call to people that do want privacy Uh to realize that all it takes is one little mistake and you can get doxed um, and to be extra careful about it, right? Because um, whoever this woman was who was running libs of TikTok, she should have been operating under the assumption that someone was going to try and dox her. And it seems like it was relatively easy to do.
0: Yes. I just picked up a book that was given to us by a freak who wants to rename, rename, remain anonymous. Extreme What's privacy. his name? <laughs> extreme privacy what it takes to disappear you've read this book right
1: yeah it's a great one must yeah. read
0: i haven't gone through it yet by
1: michael ba- basil
0: michael Basil.
1: he has a great podcast too
0: yeah we've been trying to you've been trying to get him on Serial dispatch it's,
1: it's impossible it's a, he doesn't <laughs> there's no way to contact the guy too much privacy can't can't get a hold of him
0: no um
1: and the funny part of that story is always like i've had I, so many freaks reach out to me it's like you got to get michael on the pot it's like yeah great i know do you have a contact though like, no i'll try i'll try and reach out to him for you was like okay thanks
0: it's uh that's uh, i mean he's doing he's practicing what he preaches what he wrote about in this book so you got to respect it game recognize game uh yeah another thing that taylor lorenz did that really shocked me she called and this is actually like pissed me off. Even though Glenn Greenwald did blow me off on the the episode we were supposed to do, she she referenced him as an influencer while portraying herself as a journalist, which is again, it was funny, but it's also like, oh my gosh, these people again gaslighting. What happened
1: the with the Glenn thing? Is he not going to come on?
0: I don't know. Yeah, I never got. I thought response. he
1: was sick. Was he not sick?
0: He was sick, and then we rescheduled, and I got ghosted.
1: You want to do your thing? What's my thing? Hey, Glenn, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the pod. Yeah,
0: Glenn, if you are listening, you got to come on. I'm bummed I didn't get that bump into you at Bitcoin 2021. No bad blood. But again, back to it. I'm going to give you a compliment, Glenn, or defend you. Not that you need to be defended, but Taylor Lorenz calling Glenn Greenwald an influencer while pretending to be a journalist uh, is one of the most disrespectful things I've seen in quite some time. And you're talking about Glenn Greenwald, uh, who, who broke a lot of the WikiLeaks stories, who helped Snowden. Uh, get the information that he shared with the world and whistle blew the NSA. Um, getting that out to the world and a bunch of other incredible pieces throughout the years. He's probably one of the only remaining legitimate journalists on the planet. And that that bitch trying to call him an influencer was uh, was funny to see. But again, we got on this. Are we at police? Peak Clown World, no. As Tyler Ghost just said in the comments, Clown World forever. That'll go down. Stay
1: humble and stack clowns,
0: freaks. What's going to be the worst, like the worst call on this podcast? Two hundred K by conference day, or Peak Clown World? That's what we P-clown have to. Clown World. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, the earth, Yeah, there's this literally I'm, a I'm giant. I'm biased, but I am as well.
1: I think you redeemed me a little bit when you made that call.
0: Yeah, that was a bad call. That was a very bad call. I, hey, hand up! It was a bad call. Uh, this is a Bitcoin podcast. We're here to talk a lot. Oh shit! It is. We're here to talk about Bitcoin. A lot has gone on since we met last week. We'll go to Clark's dashboard as we always do to start. The current price of Bitcoin is forty one thousand five hundred and ten cuck bucks. One cuck bucks gonna get you two thousand four hundred nine sats, hovering around a seven hundred ninety billion dollar market cap. We are block height seven hundred thirty two thousand eight hundred ninety nine. Damn, if we waited a bit, we would have had 732,900. Just a nice even number, but no. One block short. We are 900 and... See, I always mess this up. I can never find it on my computer. 900 and... Where the fuck is it? I'm looking for the, the next difficult... Yeah, 925 blocks away from the next difficulty. Party, adjustment. This is
1: the same spot every time.
0: Uh, it moves when I have like my screen being different sizes. Uh, they're 925 blocks away from the next difficulty adjustment, which is estimated to be a two and a half upward adjustment. Blocks are coming in nine minutes of 45 seconds on average since the last adjustment. And as of right now, that adjustment will happen next Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. There are currently 7,734 transactions in Clark's mempool, whirlpool, is sitting at four thousand five hundred one point nine one Bitcoin in unspent value or excuse me unspent capacity the unspent value in cockbuck terms is 186.9 million. That's down a little bit since last week. I think we were we were up a bit when we last met. And then yeah, it's Clark's dashboard. We're ch- we're chugging along. Um speaking of Clark can you go to insights.brains Please, disclaimer, Brain's sponsored the podcast, but I do want to pull up, go down to the uh, up, 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 right there, go to hash, hash value and hash price. Um, This is something interesting to pay attention to, hash price has risen this week, it's at like 21 cents a terahash a day, Uh, but as we're going to talk about rising energy prices in this podcast later on but this is something I wrote about earlier this week. I think this is something to pay attention to is the the rising cost of energy uh, as an input uh, globally in all industries across the world. I think it'll be very interesting to see how this affects the mining industry specifically moving forward. If energy prices continue to rise, power purchase agreements need to be renegotiated because the utilities providers need to make sure that they're making money. Uh, and the Bitcoin price stays in this consolidated price range as the hash rate and therefore difficulty continues to go up. Uh, in the mining industry, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next three to six month period. Are people going to have to shut down shop? Or are they going to have to consolidate? Uh, this is a theme that I am going to be paying attention to moving forward, and I think you guys should as well. Um, obviously, energy is a very important input in the mining industry. Electricity price is, is very integral to the profitability of any particular operation. And with the most important input uh, rising in cost pretty significantly, uh, it should have an, a downstream effect on the mining industry.
1: There will be blood.
0: <laughs> yes, there will be blood. Um, should we start with the mining topic of the day?
1: Uh, we have two mining topics of the day. Um, oh, the one of the day compass
0: well, compass, and that stems from uh, an announcement that was made yesterday, which the u s Treasury came out and sanctioned Bit River in Russia, which is a large uh hosting facility that's using hydroelectric power uh the The Treasury Department signaled them out specifically and said we're we' sanctioning you as a um, and ten
1: of their subsidiaries,
0: yes. Um,
1: I guess they're located in a lot of countries, but they're based in Russia. Or They they the operations in Russia.
0: I think like the parent companies in Switzerland.
1: Well, they just did it. They did it. <laughs> Apparently they did it like a couple months ago and the US was like, we know exactly what you just did.
0: Yeah. You're so, still based in Russia. So they got sanctioned. Uh, US consumers are not allowed to interact with BitRiver in any way. Uh, and First
1: Bitcoin miner ever sanctioned. Yes. It's a momentous occasion.
0: Um, and so there's many things to talk about here we' we'll, we'll bring we'll, t- we'll touch on the collateral damage and go into a long discussion about it compass mining um, it, it became apparent today was hosting a number of their miners their customers miners at bit River so they had to come out today in, in Russia in Russia and they had to come out today and, and tell their users that uh, they have to stop uh, the the those machines from hashing and delivering the sats that those machines are producing to their customers. uh, And the only they can't even unplug and, and uh, mail the miners to their customers. They're going to have to try to liquidate the ASICs and then give uh, the the funds, uh, the proceeds from those sales back to the customers. And one can imagine that they're probably not going to get top dollar for that. So,
1: and it was like very, first of all, we're just basing this on a uh, what appears to be a Slack message that was a screenshot of a Slack message. Uh, Compass hasn't, as far as I'm concerned, Compass has not released an official statement yet. Um, in that message, uh, the plan to liquidate the miners and get you know the re- the return on that and send it to the users was like a very vague, non-committal uh proposition and i question whether they're legally allowed to do that anyway like what that means they're doing business in russia by selling the miners to russians um so i mean i wouldn't hold your breath on getting that money back but hopefully they get something back
0: yeah I think this is something you actually mentioned earlier this year.
1: Yeah. And up. you told me not to you, you're like, now that you brought it up, the U S treasury is going to know about it. It's like, I don't, they don't listen to the podcast.
0: Janet's listening. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, I, ever since the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the subsequent sanctions, I've been wondering about that compass facility. Cause this is specific. So like when you use compass, you pick which facility you want. And one of them was Russia. Um, we have some friends that are using that facility. And so this is not surprising at all. I mean, it's to be expected, but it doesn't make it hurt any less. Like this is fucking brutal for anyone who is hosting with them over there.
0: Very brutal. Um, Just
1: adds to the litany of complications that Compass users have faced over the last year.
0: I'm getting a... a Live update from
1: some not your Asics, not your hash.
0: All right, so I've got it. Um, just
1: goes to show it just once again shows the insane amount of risk you add on by using a third party hosting company that itself doesn't even own the warehouses. They're renting out space from other warehouse providers. In this case, Bit River. Um, so you just have risk on top of risk, and I just really don't see the value prop um i know it's a little bit more nuanced than that but i don't really see the value prop in people choosing to use a hosted mining solution yeah i just mine control the asics yourself use it for kyc free sets but hosting with a third-party company that uses another third-party company is just asking for a disaster
0: yeah i I got an on-the-go tip here live tip on air from somebody who's in contact with Compass's sales team. Um one thing he said, like, if there's anything, if there's any compass is saying if there's anything we can do, let us know. And he's like, Can we get the fair market value for the miner? it's like, it's unfortunately that's out of my hands. So um anonymous tip on the go. And yeah, I mean, I wrote about this y- yesterday in in the so What did the
1: anonymous tip say? Did it say anything we don't know?
0: No, nothing. I mean, nothing uh, that we exactly. didn't just describe. Just confirming what we just described. Um, and yesterday's man wrote about it, so like this is the you know, polarization of hash rate is an attack vector for your miner. So if you are an individual miner, or if you're a mining company, you have to take these political risks into consideration. So that's Bit River's facility using hydroelectric electricity there, but like so, you know, if you're hosting. You got to eliminate third party risk wherever you can. Compass, third party, they're leveraging a the third party. So that's compounded third party risk. Um, the, even if you're here in the United States, you have third party risk. If you're a miner in New York State right now, I'd be shaking in my boots. New York State government is talking about manning mining itself within that state. And so you know, I got
1: another anonymous tip. What's that? I guess Compass just emailed. Customers who are using their Quebec facility, uh, the owners of that facility have not renewed Compasses' agreement. So, on May fourth, that agreement will end, and anyone mining in the Quebec facility needs to has two options: to either ship it home or move them to the Ontario facility, and there'll be at least a month of downtime. Once your miners are online again, you will receive hosting downtime credits for the time your miner is in transit and not consuming power. Hosting rates will stay the same. This will be the default choice and does not require a response.
0: Tough week for the Compass guys. And again, highlighting trusted third-party risk, compounded Compass, energy provider, nation state. There's three layers there. So...
1: So much trust.
0: Yeah, Um, but again, going back to this Bit River thing specifically, something I said in the bent yesterday, I do think should be highlighted. Like this sucks for everybody involved for Bit River, for Compass, for Compass users. Um, Again, this is uh, Bit River. I'd imagine I don't think they're proxies for the Russian government. I I would. I wouldn't think. Maybe, but it seems that Compass users that were hosting there were getting their sats delivered to them and weren't getting cheated out or anything. And what you have here is the product of a proxy war. You have the United States and Russia and other players, the UN, NATO, involved in a a proxy war. They're in a dick-measuring contest with each other. They don't really care about Ukrainian citizens, about Russian citizens, or about American citizens. They care about this, this superpower struggle that they're engaged in at the top political ranks of the world. And you have individuals, businesses that I I think it's safe to assume are acting earnestly and um, just in a a free market fashion where they they want to build a good business and operate and provide utility to individuals in the Bitcoin network. And then it's collateral damage for this proxy war that's going on uh, over in Russia and Ukraine right now. And it's, again, it just highlights, like, a go to the uh, George Gammon tweet at the, at the bottom of the the, uh, the letter there. Yeah, It's like, this is, I thought George's small dose of sanity yesterday that he tweeted out was very poignant. Like, I do not support, I do not stand with Russia. I don't stand with Ukraine. I don't stand with NATO. I don't stand with the UN. I stand with the people in each country who are held hostage by governments that start wars, destroy economies, and subjugate our lives. So this is a product at the end of the day, if you get to the core of what's going on right now, it's, it's governments just fucking up economies, individuality, and businesses um, because they're, they're engaged in this power struggle where they're trying to decide who... Can control the little men and subjugate the little men. At the end of the day, that's what they're fighting over. And honest, hardworking individuals are are caught in the middle of this. It's fucked up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree. Um, I I mean, in this case, though. Bit River might be completely tied to the Russian government.
0: And it may be down, but again.
1: I mean, like, can you imagine like my big concern with warehouse miners in the United States is that they're gonna be completely in bed with the US government. It's like yeah. just an expectation. They're drawing all this power. Yeah. Um, I, I think another takeaway here is, is really, do the sanctions actually hurt the Russians, Russian government in this case, or Bit River? And that is probably no. Um, they can still mine Bitcoin. They're still going to get the returns of Bitcoin, and in <laughs> this case, they're probably going to get a shit ton of cheap miners from Compass customers and other hosted customers, right? Yeah, exactly. So well, it just... I think unequivocally, this probably is a is a non effect on the Russian government or Bit River. Just hurts you're,
0: on people. You're giving them more hash rate. Like I said earlier, it seems that the sats that were being produced from the miners that Americans were hosting over there were being delivered to them. So you have um, exactly. American owned hash rate like in Russia, like delivering sats to Americans. Now, I mean, Bit River, the Russian government, they're probably going to turn around and be like, all right, we're not going to let you guys liquidate these. We're just going to confiscate them. And now that well, this, that's, yeah. this is our that's
1: why you had, That's why like Compass customers, this is why I brought it up in the first place way back when, whenever it was like the beginning of the war. Because um, there there was a window there that, you know, they could have potentially gotten them shipped back to them. Um, they were not just running the risk of the U.S. sanctioning them, but they were running the risk of the Russians confiscating them.
0: And it seems like they're going to get the double whammy now.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, they get cheaper ASICs and they get to continue mining. This is... Um, Congrats, Janet. You just gave them more hash rate. God, again, the proxy war, man. We need to end these proxy wars. Every Ukrainian citizen, Russian citizen, American citizen watching all this unfold, we are more alike with each other than we are with our governments who are fucking engaging in this shit. It's fucked up, man. Um... And, the, and with that being said, maybe we'll go to something that I have at the end of the list, which is Janet Yellen leading a walkout at the G20 meeting that happened earlier today uh, when the Russian representative got up to, to speak. And it's just another example. And then she had the gall to come out later today after this and say that uh, Russia's, or excuse me, Ukraine due to the incessant bombing of Russia is gonna need a massive rebuild uh, and again, going back to what I've been saying since this war started, like the the framing from the Biden administration that you have the you either get sanctions or World War Three. It seems like we're getting both right now, uh, and the the lack of attempted diplomacy in this particular situation is just completely disheartening. Like maybe if we put a diplomatic foot forward when this first out out this war first broke out uh, you could have prevented the incessant bombing of Ukrainian cities and and actually not have to have a massive rebuild. I mean it's, it's typical American proxy war tactics here like we did in Iraq, we did in Afghanistan, we did it in Syria just completely destroyed these countries infrastructure and then act like oh man it's terrible we're going to have to rebuild it's going to cost a lot of money. Like Just virtue signaling about it when you could have put a diplomatic foot forward and realize like, hey, maybe Russia doesn't want NATO bases on their border. Maybe it's not wise to push Ukraine into uh, NATO and the UN. Maybe, maybe we should be adults here and, and have a communication with the other side, even though we may not like them at all. Um, there is a need for adults to enter the room and have hard conversations. And it seems like the uh, apparent adults in the room from the U.S. perspective are not not willing to have adult conversations. They have vapid pageant pageantry-like uh, virtue signals, which Janet Yellen did today by getting up and walking out of the room when the, the Russian delegate got up to speak at the G20 meeting.
1: Well, I mean, you said a lot of things there, but two things that came to mind is, first of all, from my perspective – Um, it's more than just virtue signaling, right? Because, uh, when, when these rebuild projects happen, there's a lot of large American corporations that stand to make a lot of money. Um, and they tend to have control over politicians, um, invested interests all over the place, um, through legalized bribery called lobbying. Um, but I, I mean, I think I've been pretty consistent in disagreeing with you in terms of that there was like a diplomatic thing that the U S could have done to stop um, this invasion. I mean, I, I, I think Putin has very clear objectives on the black sea and he was going to do it regardless, but uh, we can agree to disagree on that.
0: Do you think you don't, you don't think that there was an attempt at diplomacy, the, the war. Like the I've Greek.
1: said in the past, I'm, you know, I'm not a, uh geopolitical expert. Geo- no, but I play Civ and you know you can't really have diplomacy with someone like that. I, I think there might have been, you know, obviously we look really weak in just the global world, right? So if we look stronger, maybe he would think twice from doing it. But I don't I, I don't I don't I don't think Putin was gonna stop unless he had control of the Black Sea.
0: Well what do you think about the the instigations from the UN side of things, the NATO side of things. Have you listened to I the... I mean, modern- Marty,
1: like two weeks before the invasion, you said it was all bullshit and wasn't even going to happen.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I... I'm just saying, that was I the climate we were
1: in. At, that was the climate we were in at the time. It but wasn't that outlandish of a statement. A lot, you of, said
0: it. A lot of the history has... Uh, I've, I've been doing more research into the history of what led up to this. And again, if you haven't listened to the Martyrmaid um, podcast that he did on the history of Ukraine, Russia, and NATO ally forces over the last three decades. I highly recommend. Any freak who hasn't listened to it yet, go listen to it. Um, it came out like a month, month and a half ago. But after listening to that and understanding the history, and I do think there's a lot of instigation on this. Side. And again, it goes back to what I said earlier. like This is a product of a proxy war, of dick measuring uh, on the Geopolitical, yeah, but scale. it takes
1: two sides to proxy war,
0: yes. And like, have you listened to the podcast yet?
1: No, I what podcast is this?
0: Martyrmaid. made. Um, who does it? This dude, Martyrmaid is uh,
1: oh, ex- that's his US name,
0: board. yeah. He's a name. I'll um, he's got if he, you just
1: search Martyrmaid made on a podcast app, it pops up.
0: It should, yeah. Here, I'll I'll um or right, I'll put
1: it um. But if the argument if the argument is that Russia wouldn't have invaded if Russia had control over Ukraine, then yeah, obviously. oh just typed in Marty made. Here, I'll put put it in our. The podcast is called Marty Made. Maybe that's that'll be. No wonder name. you like it. I said. A...
0: Here I'm going to put this in our TFTC chat. Um you put it on the screen we'll put it in the show notes too.
1: we also had some of the most bullish underrated news uh this week in the mining world which is that the world's leading chip manufacturer tsmc that's based out of taiwan just raised three and a half billion dollars to build a plant in arizona
0: yes so they did a bond offering um we have the martyr made podcast up on the screen we'll, we'll share this miles Suter tweet in the show notes um Yes, TSMC. I mean, this news came out uh, a couple years ago, I believe, or maybe it was early last year. Uh, No, it was when Trump was still in office. So Trump worked with TSMC to get them to come over and build a foundry in Arizona. They broke ground on that. It's going to be a $12.5 billion project, I believe. And they just went out and raised $3.5 billion worth of bonds uh, in a bond offering, uh, which is... Uh, more than a quarter than the need of funds. Is it 12 billion? What's, what's it say in the uh, the article, Car?
1: I think 12 bill.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So more than a quarter of the necessary capital to build this out has been raised in a bond offering. That's a very encouraging sight to see. They already broke ground. They already started building it last year. And so this successful bond offering is a very positive sign that a foundry um, will be coming is in the process of coming and does seem like it will be completed, at least at this point in Arizona. Obviously, we have uh, Samsung here in Texas, Taylor, Texas, not too far from where we are here at the Bitcoin Commons. They've broken ground on their foundry as well. So we've talked about it many times on this show before. One of the most centralized parts of the Bitcoin stack at this point in time is the manufacturing of the chips that Uh, run ASICs. TSMC and Samsung uh, produce uh, I would imagine like 90% of the chips that that produce the hash from the ASICs. On the Bitcoin network, TSMC uh, is the foundry that Bitmain leverages, and Samsung is the foundry that uh, uh, MicroBT leverages. TSMC is located in Taiwan, which we've discussed before as a very uh politically tense place as well. Uh, a lot of people are worried that China is going to do to Taiwan what it did to Hong Kong. Many Taiwan listeners of the show will protest that, though um, Samsung uh, historically has had their main foundry producing the chips for the ASICs in South Korea, which is less uh, politically tense than Taiwan, but it's still geographic centralization over there in Southeast Asia. Um so seeing both companies spin up foundries here in the United States is very bullish for a a more distributed chip manufacturing process at the base layer of the Bitcoin mining industry, which is exactly what you want to see. Bullish. Bullish. Um what else do we have here? Let me pull up the list. Choo, 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 choo. Uh, On the
1: Russian news, we have Binance announcing that if you're a Russian individual or live in Russia or do any business with Russia and you have over 10k euros in your Binance account, uh, your account is now in withdraw only mode and you have 90 days to withdraw funds. Otherwise, I mean, they're going to close your account regardless after 90 days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then Binance came out with the new logo yesterday. What did you think of their new logo?
1: The swastika. <laughs> and they released on Hitler's birthday.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Happy
1: 420, y'all.
0: Happy 420. 420 used to be one of my favorite holidays.
1: But yeah, they released a swastika logo on Viking Hitler's birthday. And just, and then and their response was even worse. They're like, we're so sorry. Like this went through like, Multiple steps of review before it got released, and it's like that makes it look even worse. Like, you might as well have just said, like, an intern decided to change the logo or something.
0: Yeah, it's like the uh Silicon Valley thing where it went through multiple things of review. The signature that they put on the computer, oh, the
1: Pied Piper,
0: yeah, it looked like a huge, (laughs) just like (laughs) he was
1: sucking a dick, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but back to the, I mean, the logo, they just backtracked really quickly. Uh, but, uh, (laughs) the, I mean, this is just another perfect example of not your keys, not your coins, not your ASICs, not your hash, you know, this is going to happen more and more. People are still going to continue to tweet out the engagement tweets about Bitcoin's unstoppable, but the majority of users will be using it in a very stoppable way and they will not learn unless they get burned. So if you don't want to get burned, before you learn, learn from other people getting burned, like this situation.
0: Yes, let other people get burned, learn from them, and don't let yourself get burned. Speaking of that, did you see Niraj on um, Vice?
1: He was on Vice.
0: Yeah, and he was uh, he was explaining this. I don't know, car, if you can find the clip, it's like a two minute clip um, on Twitter. Should be on Twitter. Uh, I'm just going to Niraj's profile. He probably shared it. But, uh, and he,
1: he, Narottis, he. if you're listening, I saw you presented at a Stacks event.
0: Ooh. Whoa, 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 whoa. What man. was
1: the Vice thing?
0: Uh, about? It, it was the part of the conversation that was clipped on Twitter that I watched was about exactly this. Um, the fact that many people host or, or hold their coins on third party exchanges, um. But like uh, the, the crux of Bitcoin's value prop is that if you have the ability to take possession of it yourself um, and the, it was funny seeing the vice guy sort of come to a realization in real time as Naraj was explaining the value prop of Bitcoin in terms of it being a digital bearer asset that you can control yourself. That's uh, great. I'll find it. I'm going to find it right now. We'll put it up.
1: Was it related to this Vice article that's in our list about uh, miners moving from China to US or no?
0: I think it was... Because it there this, was a
1: video component to it that I didn't watch.
0: I didn't know if it was particularly in that video, but um, the... the. But anyway, um,
1: I don't agree with everything Naraj and Coin Center do, but generally, they're a massive net benefit for the space and I appreciate them. Agreed. Um.
0: Speak,
1: speak, speak. Should I speak? Is that what you're telling me to do or are you talking to
0: yourself? I'm going to find this real quick.
1: We had a New York man who was charged with running Bitcoin ATMs uh, without taking KYC information and he was charged with money laundering. He actually advertised that uh, it was a private service and he was charging like a 20% fee on top And justification was that he wasn't taking private information. Um, Yeah, he got caught. He was running a lot of them too, and the irony is that he was running them in laundromats, and he was accused of money laundering.
0: (laughs) Well, this gets back again. Uh, I can't find the video, but it's what Niraj was explaining. Like all this stems from the Bank Secrecy Act (KYC AML), making this guy a criminal when he arguably shouldn't be. uh, When the Bank Secrecy Act was signed into law in the 70s. Nobody could imagine that things like Venmo and the digital world that we have today would come to fruition. And this dragnet surveillance system would be thrown on every financial app that you could ever dream of in the future. And this, is, this guy should not be a criminal. And people should be able to access sound money privately. It's not illegal to have privacy. It's not illegal to access sound money. At least it shouldn't be. If, if you believe the ideals of this country was founded on. The Bank Secrecy Act needs to be abolished. KYC, AML, we've said it many times, is not effective at all. It, criminals are going to criminal. You just put law-abiding citizens in harm's way. You put their information in very insecure databases and you make it harder for businesses to operate efficiently because you, you thrust an incredible amount of compliance cost on their operations, which is bad for everybody. And criminals don't get caught, law-abiding citizens uh, get harmed, and businesses can't operate as efficiently as possible. It's archaic, doesn't make any sense, it doesn't work, most importantly. and It's making user experience and the ability to effectively run an economy uh, becomes significantly hindered. So let's start memeing that. we got to abolish the Bank Sec- Secrecy Act. Dragnet surveillance.
1: And yes, the act sounds like it gives you secrecy when you use a bank, but it does the opposite.
0: It does not. And going back to like the Binance and the, well, you can't, BitRiver really doesn't have any ability to do anything here, but Binance specifically being proactive with this banning of Russian citizens. Like, do you think, due to the nature of what Bitcoin's trying to do, that there is and responsibility of operators in the space to stand up for their users and say, hey, this is a bit intrusive individual.
1: Well, so Russians- I don't think Binance is being proactive about it. I mean, if you read the if you read their post about it, it seems like they tried to continue offering for a while, which they have been offering, you know, since the sanction regime started, right? What the sanction regime regime started in like what early March, I wanna say. Or something like that, and they've been pushing back, and then finally they got their hand forced. And I will say that the ninety-day withdrawal period is, you know, relatively friendly for a situation like this. I mean, I'm I'm always hard on Binance. Like I'm not trying to be light on them in this situation, but I would say that um, it seems like. They at least tried to mitigate the concerns for their users. Um, I will say that one of the you know big side effects of stuff like this is you know, Binance historically was never KYC, and then they added KYC under pressure, um, and they were doing it in a really fucked up way. If you remember, Binance was doing shotgun KYC on people. Hold up um, your face and your ID, and uh, they were holding funds hostage. But the whole KYC regime is basically implemented to enforce things like this. Otherwise, they don't know which users are Russian in the first place. Now, Binance P2P is heavily used in Russia. I don't believe this impacts Binance P2P by design. I know there's a centralized component to Binance P2P, but I'm pretty sure it still doesn't impact that, but I'm not absolutely positive. Um, so yeah, I mean, the 90-day period is, uh, fr- I think for some people might think it's a short period. Frankly, to me, that seems like a very gracious period. That's a that's a long amount of time—three months—in this type of situation, especially from a company that is historically shotgun KYC'd people with no notice and held up hot funds hostage.
0: Yeah, I and mean, I would like to see operators in the space stand up and say, "Hey,
1: this yeah, is." Well, that's not going to happen. Well,
0: again, going back to what we said last week, like, why? And set these ideas in the people's minds. You the know, best two-
1: example is Voorhees,
0: just eliminating Voorhees KYC. was
1: like super anti-state, anti-KYC, uh, anarcho-capitalist. And then he made a lot of money on Shapeshift. And then all of a sudden, because he was really rich, he had something to lose. And they put a gun to his head. And he added KYC to Shapeshift.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see one of these people with a lot to lose to stand up and have some backbone and principles. Say enough is enough. I don't want to be part of your proxy war, which is essentially what these companies are doing. They're, they're allowing themselves to become at the proxy war. And like, what does that do to R- Russian citizens? Like, how does that make them view Bitcoin at the end of the day where the company is operating in the space? Like, hey, this is a protocol that was launched to bring financial freedom to the world, and you're your Henry. And obviously, I understand.
1: Well, I mean, I think sanctions in general hurt the people the most. They don't really hurt rich people and governments as much as as as, as working class people and everyday people. Um, and I think Bitcoin aside, just across the board, what what it does is it radicalizes people against the U.S. and U.S. companies. Yes, um, and that includes Bitcoin companies yeah. that well, follow the U.S. regime. But
0: well, um, it's a broader even-
1: thing than Bitcoin.
0: It's interesting. Binance doesn't even a U.S. company, though. Are they based in Singapore? Yeah, but
1: all fi- like all these companies, they're all under the thumb of the United States, right? Uh, like BitMEX, right? BitMEX, the whole argument with BitMEX, uh, them arresting the founders, uh, was that they need to implement KYC just to make sure they're denying Americans usage. So they have to KYC the whole world in order to make sure that Americans aren't using it, even though their terms and conditions says Americans can't use it. That's not that's not enough for America. so it doesn't matter where you're domiciled. it does to a degree, but it doesn't really if you get big enough and especially live- if you have banking connections, if you have any kind of f- like Bitmex survived as long as it did because they were a Bitcoin standard company. Everything Bitcoin withdraws and deposits only there was no bank account access.
0: Do we live in a free country?
1: No, no we
0: don't. We don't. Maybe one day we will. If people of principle and backbone stand up and begin fighting for it. We, we live help. in a
1: free country. We've already had peak clown world. And it was really <laughs> a pleasure to see 200K <laughs> by conference day. <laughs> uh, on to more
0: solutions, instead of describing the problems. Bitcoin for local businesses. This the is a bottom-up awesome. approach to a Bitcoinized world. Uh, Boy Pedro period.
1: made this. Uh the inspiration was me and him worked on the Bitcoin Bazaar uh pamphlet, or it was it was just like a single pager for uh the merchants that were at uh the Bitcoin 2022 event. Um and he was like, Do you mind if I use this to do bigger for uh specifically? uh, farmers markets, but also for any kind of local merchants. So I was like, fuck yeah, do it. Like that'd be fucking awesome. And he killed it. Like this pamphlet is really fucking awesome. Um, he did a really good job with it. Yeah. Uh, what's his Twitter handle again? It's Pedro. And then he
0: G or something. like that.
1: Read it out loud. I can't see it.
0: I can't yeah. see either.
1: Pedro MVPG. Go follow him. He's awesome.
0: He's also responsible for, uh, this great coffee table book
1: uh oh i have one too i'm supposed to put it in my backdrop somewhere bitcoin,
0: bitcoin version 0.01 alpha the yeah, the original bitcoin code it's actually fun put it on your coffee table your board you just look it up and you, you read the code that satoshi wrote when he first launched bitcoin
1: um, but like this is what i was talking about last week like if we're threatened by cbdc's which i think most of us are um we should feel threatened by the current credit card digital payment apps regime as well, because it has a lot of the same concerns that CBDCs have, and people are just using them all the time right now as their main use of purchase, like it's a complete surveillance network. Um, and the answer is grassroots local Bitcoin economies. Um, and we need, I'm not saying that we're necessarily there yet, but you got to start somewhere and Time is of the essence because people need to have an option when things get even worse. Yeah. Well,
0: it's happening. So I'd love to say-
1: see initiatives like this.
0: Car was saying uh when he came in before we hit record that him and a group of Bitcoiners went to three forks steakhouse here in Austin last night and they were able to pay in Bitcoin. They're um Exactly. Peer-to-peer. That's
1: so- And like these merchants, like, you know, they're gonna they're gonna get distracted. They're gonna stop accepting it if if Bitcoiners aren't. Uh, using them.
0: Well, I'm trying to do my part. Got my hair cut last week. I didn't mention it when we recorded last week, but paid in Bitcoin. I had my barber download Blue Wallet a few months ago, and he just invoices me there. Pay him in Bitcoin, peer-to-peer. With Lightning? Uh, he's not on Lightning yet, but uh, That's on good. Chain. I was
1: going to say, I hope you warned him that it's a custodial wallet.
0: No, it's on-chain. We're doing on-chain.
1: Okay. Um. He's I having, want your, I don't want your hairdresser to get rug pulled. Hairdresser.
0: I don't have enough hair to ha- have him be considered a hairdresser, okay? It's a,
1: it's a so barber. A barber. A dude with a just dude with a trimmer.
0: <laughs> he doesn't have a hard job when I walk in. I'll just say that.
1: Um, but anyway, shout out to Pedro for this. He has uh, different uh, languages. You can print it out. Um, he's taking feedback and contributions. Um so definitely 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 check that out and hand them out at your local farmers market and local merchants and at meetups. If you have a meetup, go bring it to your meetup and let's get this uh, let's get these circular economies going.
0: That was a very encouraging tweet to see right before we hit record. It was a freak. Saying thank you to us for for encouraging, encouraging freaks everywhere to go to your local Bitcoin meetup.
1: Or start one if you don't have one.
0: Yeah. I'm telling you, that's uh we had Cole Bolton, Texas Slim, Parker on the podcast earlier this week. We had the Beef Initiative Conference on Saturday in Kerrville, Texas here. And that, that, a, a big part of that conversation was the power of these in-person meetups and this true grassroots movement. It's happening in Bitcoin.
1: Extremely it, rewarding and powerful. Is.
0: Yeah. And the Beef Initiative is, is trying to make that happen in, in the ranching world. And it doesn't only have to be Bitcoin. It can be other aspects of your life that you want to see more distribution.
1: But, and you have a conference this weekend, right?
0: Yes. Go to uh, beefinitiative.com. There's a few tickets and left. And you're
1: speaking, right?
0: Yeah, I'm on a panel. Should be fun. Um, but yeah, no, it was really... I had a car stay on this. It was cool to see um, Sean Baker, Dr. Sean Baker, uh, renowned carnivore, and Jack Doctor. Let's play this video because he echoing exactly what we have been saying throughout our conversations with Texas Slim and Cole um, on the rancher front. A lot of the ranchers are just throwing in the towel. They're getting bought out by big corporations. They can't afford their land. They can't afford to be in business. It's, you know, they're, they're doing it because they love what they do. And a lot of a lot of them, it's multi-generational. Their grandparents did that or their great grandparents did and they want to hang on. But slowly by slowly, year by year, we're losing them. You know, We had, I think, 1.3 million ranches about 50 years ago. We're down to about 700,000 of them in the United States now. And so it's it's continuing to happen. If it's important to you as a consumer, you have to find a way to help these guys be successful. And the best way to do it is like what Mike was mentioning, call them up locally. They are nice people, you know, so nice. <laughs> and they're happy to they're really happy to to provide you the best product they can. So every aspect. If you want to change this stuff, you got to get up and do it. You got to go shake your rancher's hand. You got to go print out these pamphlets and hand them out at your farmers market. This is truly a grassroots movement, and you can have. You got to
1: spend Bitcoin.
0: (laughs) You got to spend Bitcoin. It's uh, you don't have to spend all your Bitcoin. Spend and replace, but just every
1: purchase should be measured in Sats, regardless if you use a surveillance card or not. Yes. And I want to just add. I just want to add. Uh, something here before we leave the circular economy conversation is that I, I really do feel like a lot of people learn the wrong lessons from El Salvador and everyone's willing, you know, you can have your own perspective. You can do whatever you want. Um, I I don't want you to blindly listen to me, but to me, the perspective of El Salvador and the lesson of El Salvador is that there was this blossoming grassroots circular Bitcoin economy in El Zante that started without permission from their government. They didn't ask anybody permission, they just did it. And they just kept doing it. And soon enough, what happened was the government had two choices. They could either embrace it or fight it. And they chose to embrace it. It's, it's not a story of a top-down decision from a president to add Bitcoin. It's a story of a grassroots local Bitcoin economy growing to the point where it couldn't be ignored anymore. I would agree there force
0: your government to make the hard decision. Do we go along or do we fight it? The incentives are to go along with it. So you just have to get that grassroots movement to a point where the political risk of going against it is too high and they're forced to go along with it. (laughs) Let's do it here in America. thats uh, I think it's already happening here too. Obviously, you just mentioned I'm paying my barber. Car was able to pay the steakhouse. Your hairdresser. Last night. <laughs> My hairdresser. Uh, you have Oshi blossoming here in Austin and beyond. You have the Beef Initiative, getting ranchers on a on a Bitcoin standard. You have mining becoming a significant um, industry here in the United States. It's it's happening. We need to not only have more grassroots action, but then vocalize it on the back end. I actually had some very productive conversations with people on the policy side of things this week, I'm 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 a bit white-pilled this week. I think we can win. We just got to get out. We got to have our voices heard. That's why we do this podcast. That's why we come here week in and week out. And that's why it was encouraging to get that tweet that we got right before we came on air because it does seem like it is having an impact.
1: Do you think... Would you agree with the statement, the state hates us? Yes. Do you think they can hate us and save us at the same time?
0: No, save yourself. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it, you, people need to recognize that the state hates you. We'll get we'll get into uh, a few topics at the end of the show that really highlight this. Uh, but the state can also be afraid of you. They hate you, but if you're docile and complacent, it's easy for them to hate you and force their will on you. Um, but if people in a grassroots fashion, band together and have their voices heard and, and get out and off their asses and, and act by adopting Bitcoin, getting ranchers on a Bitcoin standard, getting local bus- businesses on a Bitcoin standard. That is, that is power that the state fears. They hate you, and they're planning on you being complacent and docile and bending the knee and just giving in to their will. Um, what they really don't like is grassroots organization and strong willed people saying, Hey, I'm going to opt out of this. Uh, and there's nothing you can do about it. And yes, they hate you. And they want you in that, that sad start, sorry state, but you have the ability to stand up on your own two feet, act and band together and say, we know you hate us, but we're more, we're stronger than you. And we're going to do this. And if you want to fight, come and bring the fight, but you're going to look really bad in the process. So it's, it's, Again, like I was trying to say last week, emboldening people, encouraging people, letting people know that you have the power to fight back. I think that's one of the largest misconceptions in the world right now is that you're powerless against this stuff. You're not. And Bitcoin proves that.
1: So what was the white pill policy conversation you had? Uh,
0: if somebody who um, was part of the Trump administration was at the ESG panel. Um, at Bitcoin 2022 and she reached out. Actually, she was staying at the same hotel as I was uh, and ran into her after the speech. Um, we agreed to connect later and uh, we connected this week and there's, there's people particularly on the energy side of things at higher levels of the government that um, do not like what's going on from an energy policy perspective. And it is actually funny to see the the, um, people have been fighting about, back against the energy policy madness for many years are are getting very encouraged by the narratives that are coming out of the Bitcoin space about don't bend the knee to ESG. Uh, humans are good, not evil. We shouldn't have this Malthusian view of the future and human population growth and energy consumption. Uh, humans are good. Energy abundance is good. It leads to human flourishing. And so it seems that Many who have become despondent at that level of policy decision making, because they think the wave of of uh, climate hysterics is too strong to fight back against, are beginning to uh, develop confidence that that maybe this isn't a lose a losing battle. You just need to get strong willed voices on your side.
1: Well, oh, I mean, I'm pretty confident that. Uh... Bitcoin mining won't get banned in America. Um, I mean, I think the energy lobby is very powerful and it's good that we have them on our side. Uh, I, my bigger concern is that the only miners, the majority of miners in America will be compliant anti-privacy miners. Um, and I don't know if we have much support there among politicians. So.
0: Well, all the mining operations I'm a part of, we will fight and tooth yeah, and well,
1: nail. Largest mining pool in the world is kyc based in America.
0: Boundary. Boundary. That's why I like to point my hash at Slush Bowl. Disclaimer. They're sponsor of the pod. Um, what do we got next? Bitcoin Magazine partners with Ukrainian NBA players for humanitarian relief. Um, this is pretty cool they got the qr codes on their shoes so like if they're done yeah, they <laughs> you get a poster moment you could like quickly like poof.
1: they put a bitcoin qr code on their first bitcoin qr code on an nba shoe that's the headline so this is fee i can't even pronounce this i'm gonna try that yeah svee and alex Svi
0: mccluck luke
1: yeah he just goes by Svi. he knows he knows his name is hard to pronounce um, um, but th- they're awesome. I mean, I got, I had the chance to talk to them a lot. Um, they're both Ukrainian. They wanted to raise Bitcoin for Ukrainian humanitarian relief. Uh, none of the money is going to the military or anything like that. It's all humanitarian. Um, so Bitcoin magazine hosted a website for them at B.TC Ukraine, where you can donate Bitcoin or you can. So we actually got into like an argument about the shoe because, People just wanted a Bitcoin address on a shoe, but I disagree with reusing addresses. So that obviously that address is reused, but if you go to b.t.c. slash Ukraine, Open uh, OpenNode is powering it, and they graciously uh, waive their fee. So there's no uh, processing fee, and addresses aren't reused, and Lightning is accepted. Yeah,
0: you better go support. Uh, try and get a, a shot of fees QR code as soon as possible because the Sixers are about to sweep uh, the Raptors.
1: I will say that the initiative... They will playoffs much longer. I will say that the initiative was uh, rushed <laughs> to, to make sure the shoes got got onto the court. Yes.
0: The, uh, I actually wound up watching a uh, Sixers game last night. I actually almost broke my toe celebrating that Embiid buzzer beater. Um... That uh, like.
1: Gotta some, love NBA playoff season. Yeah, not
0: the NBA. It's like so hard because the NBA is a bed with China.
1: Yeah, but specifically playoff season gets me every year.
0: Same, and I—I I mean, this—I—I I, I was ten when Iverson and that team was crushing it, and uh, I just had this very nostalgic connection with the 76ers.
1: I, I just feel like our youth is like. Peak NBA, yeah, but maybe it's just nostalgia. Yeah, probably right. mostly nostalgia.
0: Embiid MVP. Jesus. If Embiid doesn't get the MVP, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, Crusoe Energy raised 350 million at a, I believe, a 1.5 billion dollar valuation. What was it? Um, I said their Series C.
1: I don't think it shows the valuation.
0: Oh. I must have. I don't know what it was, but they raised 350 million in Series C equity offering. Marty
1: just leaked some alpha.
0: I may I must have been thinking of another business because uh, <laughs> it's the only place I saw it. Uh, but yeah, Crusoe they're doing flare mining predominantly in the Bakken. Uh, Cully and Chase have been going after this dream for some time. They're crushing it up there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they go public soon. Um, they are pushing ESG. We disagree on. Catering to ESG, but I'm all for Bitcoin miners succeeding and helping oil and gas producers reduce their flair. Um, and so, yeah, this is, this is a miner. It's a war chest right there. 350 mil.
1: And then they also got a line of credit for 150 mil.
0: Yeah. Mining. Becoming a, becoming a behemoth in the United States. And I really like, again, everybody's coming to Texas. Texas mining is a big meme. I like that. Cully Chase and crew at Crusoe are, are focused in other areas of the country um, to distribute more geographically um, and even more granularly the fact that they're upstream.
1: Kentucky has there. a sneaky large uh, mining industry too.
0: Yeah. Kentucky, Wyoming's got to catch up. Wyoming. Cynthia, I saw you uh, tweeting about noodling over ways to, to improve America and reduce
1: future President Lummis.
0: Uh, hey, could you imagine a Lamas DeSantis ticket? I think 2024. Uh, I think that's the ticket. I think that's the ticket. Um, not that we care about. My comment to her was like, we need Bitcoin mining permanent funds to give states more autonomy against the federal government. Yeah, Lamas DeSantis, if they did get in and just like.
1: Why DeSantis?
0: Uh, I think he's a strong leader. He cares about civil
1: liberties. Do you think he adds to the Lummis ticket?
0: Yeah, why wouldn't he? Who else would you run with?
1: I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Maybe next week I'll, I'll give my opinion.
0: I think those are two strong leaders right now, opposite sides of the country.
1: Yeah, but I mean, first of all, fuck politics. But, uh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you're trying to pick a ticket, you try and, you know, you base it off of who the president is. It's not just like two strongest people you put up there.
0: I think that'd be a strong ticket. Um, Cypher Trace ransomware report. I'm not that dove into this uh, ransomware report.
1: Is Trump going to run again? Apparently. I'm, Apparently. I do you think he's going to run again?
0: I want to be surprised.
1: Yeah, I think he probably will.
0: He looked very sweaty in that Piers Morgan interview that he stormed out on. Did you see that? No. <laughs> I just saw the clip. that. Nick Why
1: did posted. he do a Piers Morgan interview?
0: I don't know. It's a good question.
1: just to walk out sweatily.
0: Yeah. No, somebody had a, yeah, he looked very sweaty. Somebody had a, um, an interesting comment or like, you don't need to go on like the Piers Morgans, the Brian Stelters, the Tucker Carlson's even like, they were actually alluding to DeSantis. People were like, Oh, DeSantis would get destroyed if he, if he, um, became president, had to do these interviews. Somebody's like, he doesn't have to do the interviews. he, controls the narrative himself via his own media outlets. Right? I mean, that's what Trump did. Yeah, with Twitter. I mean, yeah, and he fell prey. Like the mainstream oh. media trap. Corporate media trap. Not so mainstream anymore as is evidenced by that CNN Plus uh, implosion. Netflix is imploding. Coinbase is imploding. People are tweeting a lot about Coinbase's.
1: Coinbase it's, just launched price. an NFT Instagram now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: The future of finance. I mean, they'll
0: they'll go down. I mean, we've already described Bitmain under Gian Wu as as the Icarus of the early days of Bitcoin. But I mean, Coinbase may wind up taking that that mantle.
1: Coinbase already won. Won what, in what regard? They got their eggs of liquidity on the public markets. Yeah, it's true. Gian fucked himself royally. I don't think the two <laughs> can ever be in the same sentence. <laughs> I don't even want to know how much Bitcoin he spent on that fucking failed campaign. Yeah, I think I think all hate aside, on Armstrong, he's done pretty good for himself.
0: Yes, he has,
1: and that's part of where the resentment comes from.
0: And A sixteen Z's uh, shitcoin fund. Um,
1: well, that's the beauty of that business, right? They got profitable dumping securities on retail and then they cashed out dumping their security on retail. It's like, do you it's think a swan anybody, story really. Do you
0: think they'll get in trouble for that that recent new coin offering they did a few weeks ago where it was obvious? Nope.
1: nope. Obvious if they was... do, it'll be a slap on the wrist and it'll be cost of doing business. Yeah, I think we might have mentioned it last week for, but if anybody wasn't listening. We did mention it last week. the What, the Ethereum wallet that just had all of their coins in it?
0: Yeah. I bought hundreds of thousands of each coin like hours before they got listed. Something leaked. Should we chat about? Uh, did Alex Berg prove that Ethereum is borked under proof of stake?
1: I haven't been following any of this. What did he? What was he talking about?
0: The way. Uh, so Lido Finance, I guess Kobe and a bunch of others have spun up this staking validator. Oh, yeah. And it's got like a synthetic staking token attached to it. And the incentive mechanism of that particular token basically dictate that they will become the largest validator and in, in proof-of-stake validation will be concentrated heavily in that one pool and they'll be able to dictate consensus on the Ethereum network under Proof of Stake is the way I understood it, at least, the, all the derivatives and the... the-
1: well, I think Leto even said it themselves. I mean, they had a blog post where they think they said, we think it's like a winner takes most kind of scenario. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, we've talked many times on the expectation that Proof of Stake has centralizing factors, and, and those centralizing factors will also end up with those validators being regulated. Um, which is a threat, obviously, to any network if they want state resistance, and that's a comp- you know that's not the only complaint against Proof of Stake. Um, but uh, I mean, I think what's getting lost here in all this noise is that if you look at the so first of all, this is for like the ETH two chain, which I guess is like kind of test netty right now it's like people are moving to it and they get locked into it. But like, obviously most people aren't there yet. It's like the beacon um, chain. They're calling yeah. They're or calling it the beacon chain. Um, the, the thing that's getting lost in all this noise is like the four largest stakers after Lido are just all regulated exchanges, which is my exact thesis from like 2018. Um, and is exactly what you would expect where these exchanges that already have a shit ton of power, uh, on these, on these networks, just because they're the market. Um, they're the most used liquid markets. Um, also now are the, the biggest validators. And I do think, um, and I saw Kobe make this argument is like, there is an argument to be made that, that it's good that Alito exists. Right? And he said that that was his thesis on his side, was that if, if Lido doesn't exist, uh, then everyone's just going to stake with the exchanges, particularly because exchanges can actually use their staking services as a loss leader. Yeah, they can subsidize right? so, the yield. Yeah, other- they can charge the least fees. They can give you the best return because they know they're going to make all this other money on you from all their different services that they offer. And they just want the control.
0: Yeah. But since we met last week, the, uh, the East lead dev team has pushed back the, uh, the merge another three months. It's not happening in July anymore or June, I believe was there, their initial, um, estimate or their, their, their estimate. Is,
1: you know, while like uh, proof of stake, obvious, I just think is, is a pile of shit. Right. Um, that that's what it stands for um and i look one of the coolest parts about this space is you know you can have skin in the game and whatever your thesis is and at the end of the day we'll see who has you know who has more purchasing power in the end right but um so if you want to speculate on it you want to try and build it so be it i can give two shits yeah um i'm not gonna put my money in it and i have no faith in it whatsoever um But we're Bitcoiners, right? So let's not be hypocrites. And if you look at, and I know there's some nuance here, it's different because you don't need to use them if you don't want to. Uh, But like the 10 largest capacity Lightning nodes are all basically regulated exchanges in big. Like Kraken took forever to add Lightning and now they're number six. Like in like three weeks, they're number six. so I think it's pretty obvious at this point that Lightning, will, lightning liquidity, and capacity will be dominated by regulated centralized entities. Um, and there'll probably be some kind of network divergence there where we'll have a private sovereign Lightning network where you don't need to interact with those routing nodes. And we will have a cucked financial institution network that is dominated by private channels and transfers in between them.
0: It's funny you bring that up to shout out sup, sup freaks. I'm an anonymous pleb from the OC Bitcoin network. Who's concerned about lightning privacy after Shinobi's panel at the conference and the strike announcement that can massively increase lightning adoption. I'm concerned that the Bitcoin community may be leading our fellow countrymen right into a giant panopticon. we would love to hear thoughts on this from Marty and Matt. Anything to add with that? Shout out.
1: So I built uh, Shinobi's panel based off of a Citadel Dispatch episode, and that's episode 21. So if you want to do a a two-and-a-half-hour deep dive into Lightning Privacy, uh, search Citadel Dispatch on your podcast app and go to episode 21.
0: Yes, and I would add thoughts. Completely agree with what you just said. Obviously, go check out the Citadel Dispatch episode 21, but before that, that liquidity is going to be massively uh, dominated by these large third-party KYC, AML-regulated custodians. However, again, that's why Lightning Network's a second layer. You push the, the trade-offs up to that layer, and you let people decide there's optionality. And like you said, people do still have the ability to create their own channels. That's why things like PlebNet um, and, and
1: yeah, I mean, like, other it at- exist. Like let's let's talk about the direct analogy since I brought it up based off the proof of stake, right? Um, if if you compromise centralized regulated entities that are securing a proof of stake network, then everyone censorship resistance and ability to transact is compromised. Um, in a in a lightning situation, let's say in a worst case scenario, uh, they either. Governments either force those large routing nodes that are run by regulated entities to to sh- completely shut down or stop transactions from non KYC people. Um, you, we still have this separate sovereign Lightning network, and I, I, I and and if you're not using their custodial services for your Lightning, you don't have any funds lost. So it's a it's a completely different trade off balance and a completely different scenario. But I do think to a degree, uh, there's this weird confusion by calling all these things, lightning network, uh, because they're all using lightning tech, but really what we're seeing happening is there's a bunch of different lightning networks that are interoperable with each other for now, right? Because they're using the same standard, but they might not always be interoperable in the future. And I was thinking back, I was having a conversation with someone about like tarot, um, this idea that you can put stable coins and other tokens and, and NFTs on and Lightning and I just said it on Lightning, right? I think that usage is gonna be way larger on this corporate institutional Lightning network where you have large exchanges and financial services that have massive private channels with each other that are sending fiat back and forth, specifically on the stablecoin example. Um, that's a completely different scenario though. Than actually end users using necessarily using stable coins uh, on Lightning, right? And I think that the demand and the usage will probably see more on the financial institution side. So we are seeing this divergence on Lightning. Um, and most people just don't acknowledge it. And I wonder how long until it becomes much more obvious.
0: When you say that, we're having Lalu on TFTC on Monday afternoon. So we will bring this up. Make sure you lower
1: your speed on your podcast app to 0.5.
0: Yeah, I'm going to sound extra drunk on that one. Uh, I was
1: sitting in the front row while he was speaking on the open source stage, and I was trying to transcribe his quotes, (laughs) and I just gave up.
0: (laughs) Um, Second and last shout out of the week. Marty, I just listened to your interview with Tom Nelson. I think... Some work is required to disentangle climate hysteria from legitimate concerns over pollution. Air pollution is a real thing. Dumping plastic or oil in the ocean is bad. I don't mind debunking of climate hysterics, but don't ignore or omit pollution from the discussion. Hashtag nuance. I completely agree. That's something I try to do here. That's one thing I think the climate hysterics do is they conflate their uh, belief that there's going uh, climate changing is going to destroy humanity. Um, and if you don't believe that that you also uh, don't believe that pollution and is bad, uh, which is not true at all, these things can be mutually exclusive. You can uh, believe that the the climate hysteria is not true, and that that humans are not going to boil themselves in the ocean um, due to climate change. And you can also believe that pollution is bad. And that's one thing I do try to say consistent with. On this show, and if you go back to the episode I recorded with Mike Umbro about a month ago now, at this point, that's one thing we highlight is that this hysteria has led to a bunch of virtue signaling that has led to more pollution, particularly in California, where they're not allowing the oil industry within the state to actually operate. And the demand for oil has stayed consistent. So they now need to import oil from places like Ecuador, where they're polluting the Amazon rainforest, cutting it down and then shipping that oil over an ocean, which is uh, much more susceptible to oil spills in the ocean, um, as opposed to just letting the Californian oil and gas industry pipe their products over land, which has a le- significantly less likelihood of, of polluting the earth. Uh, other examples of this is why I like Flare mining as well. You, re, you reduce just methane leaking um, and polluting the air, which is toxic, um, and you're actually getting economic value out of it. I, I completely agree. Like I say many times, I in that I like to consider myself environmentalist on that, that weird dude on the beach who's yelling at people for leaving trash behind. I like to clean my beaches, and uh, I, I like to use my Yeti here um, for uh, my, co- my water. I don't like to use these reusable plastic bottles. I, I try to practice what I preach. I can get a little better um, by by making my own iced coffee cup as well. Um, this is this is not this is not good consumer behavior here. I should probably get a Yeti for iced coffee. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Pollution is bad. We should limit it as much as possible. What I would say, like climate hysteria, one can make the argument is leading to considerably more pollution. And otherwise, maybe if things were, the free market was allowed to uh, deliver these goods to to the end consumer without um, crazy virtue signaling on behalf of state and federal governments. Um, So yeah, I I, I agree. We should not, um, there is nuance to this discussion. We should not emit pollution from the discussion at all. And I think... Going on a Bitcoin standard can lead to less pollution. At the end of the day, you're highly incentivized to make sure that you build things that last under a sound money standard. If you're going to invest in things, you're uh, you're disincentivized from creating a bunch of plastic crap and more incentivized to create reusable things that that will last into the future. Because reinvesting in disposable things uh, does not is not a good allocation of capital under a sound money system. So, thank you for the shout out.
1: Yeah. Thanks for the shout out freak. Appreciate the support.
0: Yeah. Um, Thank you freaks who are supporting us everywhere. If you're listening live, if you're listening on a podcast app, if you're listening on a podcasting 2.0 app and streaming us, we're very thankful. We love the shout outs. We love you freaks. Freaks together strong. We uh, like to think we're part of the grassroots movement that is going to change the world in a positive way. And you freaks coming back week in and week out gives us the confidence that that we're on to something here. And we love you guys. Freaks together strong. I mean, we had Freak, an anonymous Freak donate a bunch of stuff to our bookshelf today. And um, it's great to see. A lot of good books. Again, we saw Extreme Privacy, What It Takes to Disappear. We've got 1984. We've got Animal Farm. We've got Fahrenheit 451, The Bullish Case for Bitcoin, Bitcoin in Venice. Bitcoin is Venice, excuse me. Mary Rothbard's A History of Monetary and... Banking in the United States, uh, a lot of good books here. Shout out to this freak. Shout out to all you freaks. Love all y'all. Now, no more depressing stuff.
1: Did VJ sign uh, his book?
0: I, actually already had the bullish case for Bitcoin, and he did sign this one.
1: Um, I think nice. we both got it signed at his dinner, right? Yeah. I
0: got the hard copy here too.
1: I was going to say that's one of my most prized possessions.
0: Dear Marty, Bitcoin is the most important innovation to money in a thousand years and I'm so glad you're part of this revolution. VJ Boyapati. I'm glad
1: too. How cute is that? I love that dude. Love you VJ. Uh,
0: we're going to win. We're going to win. I'm Do you have any more on. shout outs? That was uh, two shouts this week. Our node went down for a couple days. I didn't notice. Um, we got it back up yesterday. That's, that's all me, freaks. Thank you to the free coup. Um, <laughs> made me aware of that. <laughs> I should, we got to set alarms. Um, <laughs> how Bitcoin miners were airlifted from China on the to the US. Matt mentioned it earlier, but Vice did a story in a 27-minute YouTube clip on the process of miners migrating out of china after the they got kicked out by their government last summer i began watching some of it it's pretty cool um it seems like vices maybe getting back to their roots a bit and actually doing things that aren't in line with the regime and
1: another clown world to call <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey i said it seems like they may be i didn't say they are um
1: you know, one of the early top seems guys. Seems like they're advice, giving a Bitcoin
0: a fair shake. That's all I'll say.
1: You know, one you know, one of the early top guys' advice is now at Bitcoin magazine. I did not know that. Who? From before they cocked. Uh Mike Germano. Awesome. He's uh he's running the magazine side. Hell yeah. And their new videos.
0: Let's keep it let's keep it real.
1: Yeah, let's uh, uh, not.
0: I'm going to front run this being a clown world call. So they may, it seems like they <laughs> may
1: be he pulls it back. <laughs> it seems like they may be. You know, was our a, worst, The worst prediction out of all the ones we mentioned that we didn't mention. What was that? We pulled it back right away. It was our hash rate call.
0: Oh yeah. 300.
1: Yeah. We were away. That was a, that was probably the worst call.
0: I think this is a three month. Closely look.
1: followed by clown world.
0: I think this is a three month uh, look back here. The stat that we have on on the um, on the block clock, and it's at one ninety nine. Still, it's not over two hundred yet. And this is what we're fighting against, freaks. How democracies spy Would on their citizens. you Do
1: you think that we're gonna not no. break three hundred by the end of the year?
0: No, God, no. Especially with these energy <laughs> crisis. Um, oh, I didn't get to read yeah. this. Did you?
1: Uh, briefly. Uh, I mean, the TLDR is what we've been saying on this show for a long time, which is, um, is that you have these professional spyware companies, um, and they're used to spy on people because that's their monetization method, and then governments use them to spy on us. Uh, in addition to the companies, right? So we have this, we have our world that is increasingly digital. We carry our whole lives in our pockets on these devices that are not verifiable, uh, that are not open source. Um, and we have companies that are monetizing our data. we basically data cattle. And then we have governments that are using those business models to enhance their surveillance on us. Um, in, in America specifically, the you know, U.S. government uses... Uh, these data brokers and surveillance companies to end around our constitutional rights uh, because they're not doing the data collection the companies are. They're not just us. buying the data.
0: It's not us. Which is an interesting workaround, too. Like, it does that even make sense? They're just buying the data. It's okay for them to spy on us?
1: Look, I mean, Constitution's a shit coin. <laughs> We've gone over this before. <laughs>
0: Constitution is a shit coin these days. It means nothing. Mask mandate, CDC. Maybe we don't have this yeah. on the list, but it's just want to see
1: that coming.
0: The DOJ and the CDC are fighting back. It Took but,
1: them so long. I didn't know a federal judge could overturn that. This whole time.
0: Well, there was a uh, there was a dude. The judge. When are they going to
1: overturn us taking our shoes off?
0: Please do that. Well, maybe this dude. So the judge didn't just like <laughs> overturn it on a whim. Somebody brought a case to the, yeah, the circuit court in Florida and thank God for that gentleman who did it I, I don't know his name off the top of my head but uh, it was crazy seeing like the flight attendants and passengers ripped their mask off as it was being announced flight attendants crying
1: Look, I mean this is obviously a massive win um, you know first of all, it obviously didn't line up with science at all, but also it was just a fucking annoying pain in the ass and dehumanized people. And I fucking hate, it made me hate traveling even more than I did previously, specifically airplane travel, because you just feel like cattle already. And then they fucking do all the mass shit. Um, so it's good to see once again, like if you want to wear your mask, you're welcome to wear a mask. Like no one's stopping you. Uh, You know, if you want to do the full Taleb seal, (laughs) you can do the full Taleb seal. Um, I will say though, that, uh, it's like, it's another pervert example where, you know, you just, you, (laughs) you just stomp, you know, stomp all over people's rights over and over again. And then like you repeal, like the little bit of thing and everyone's like, freedom! People can stop things, you know? Like, we're fucking doing it. But like, we shouldn't have to celebrate over not wearing masks on a plane.
0: No, I like, mean,
1: Like, a year and a half ago, it would have been fucking insane to even consider that we'd be forced to enter that kind of regime. And now it's like a massive success that we got rid of it.
0: Well, there was a clip, I guess Candace Owens was on Tucker Carlson last night, or a couple nights ago. And I completely agree with what she said. She echoed your sentiment right there, which is we should not be happy that we're getting our our rights back, that we should have never been taken away in the first place. Like we should only be happy when the people that overstepped their boundaries in terms of uh, mandating this in the first place should be brought to justice. People at the CDC and in the halls of government, uh, should be held accountable for this. Somebody what? like, somebody like Walensky should go to yeah, jail not, or
1: how about everything else? Right. Vaccine yeah, TSA, requirements, yeah. sho- shutting down, shutting down small businesses, uh, contact tracing where they were, they were tracking all our phones and shit. Like, and then, but, but we don't have to wear a mask on a plane anymore.
0: Yeah. All right. It's um, like, what is that called? You know, like get a little bit, it's like it's a it's a that's
1: the mo. It's the constant mo. You just keep pushing, 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 and then when the people are like at the edge of pushing back, you give them a tiny bit, and then you continue to push again until you hit it again.
0: Yeah, so it's a, it's similar to like a Pavlovian I mean, a training mechanism. Thing. Oh, we get to take our mask off. Can't can't keep your shoes on when you are going through TSA. You had to shut down your small business. You opened up. You have fined, thrown in a cage in some instances, dragged out, demonized. You are not free. We do not live in a free country, not yet, at least. Um,
1: uh,
0: what do we got next? The, uh, so, all right, onto the black pill section of the podcast. Wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> but we skipped the cypher trace ransomware report.
0: No, we went over it. No, we didn't. We had Card, it up. Did
1: we go over it? We had it up. I don't think we discussed it at all.
0: We didn't discuss um, it. We had it up.
1: Freaks, just go check out the Cybertrace ransomware report. It was interesting.
0: Sponsored by MasterCard.
1: Bitcoin is still the number one used ransomware currency, followed by XMR. Are you worried? No one uses Zcash, um, is what it said in the report. Um I mean, Cybertrace made it interesting. They were like, uh, uh, they said, they said there are some that accept Monero and Bitcoin and they give you a discount in Monero. Uh, but most ransomware victims pay in Bitcoin and Cybertrace recommends they do because it's easier to track and prosecute the the ransomware people.
0: It's weird seeing this like MasterCard branding on this shit.
1: Well, they, they bought them, didn't they?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think this is the, yeah. I think we've,
1: yeah, MasterCard company. We've reported on it when they bought them.
0: Yeah. Well, we cited this report. They they put it out a few times a year, I think. I think it's the first time I've seen MasterCard branding on it. Just jarring. All right. The food supply chain is under attack, freaks. I'm not going to pretend to know. Who's doing it? Could be could be the FBI. Could be the CIA. Could be radical environmentalist terrorist groups. Could be a foreign actor. I don't know what's going on, but what you can see through this thread that we're going to share in the show notes by uh, what's his name, Dr. Benjamin Broderick. Uh, uh, there's an abnormal amount of you know, facilities across the food supply chain uh, catching on fire or getting destroyed. Farms, uh, the largest food processor in America, Azure, there, um, their facility had a massive fire. I think it was completely destroyed. Uh, uh, onion factory here, the largest onion factory in the country here in Texas, up in flames. Uh, this year, I think there's been something like 50-plus fires at food production facilities here in the united states alone it's happening globally as well and i don't know maybe we can go backtrack and cross-reference data from years past but this seems like an abnormally yeah, how
1: many fires there were in previous years yeah i
0: don't know but is it, it's just the eye test looking at it it just seems abnormally high maybe i'm wrong maybe it's maybe food processing plants have a higher probability of catching on fire but Uh, Something seems fishy to me. We have an energy crisis. Energy is a very important ingredient in the food supply industry. uh, And it seems like that's getting attacked as well. And so I don't know. I think Marty Jones is going to come out, put his tinfoil hat on and say that there is a controlled demolition of the economy. Uh, Maybe there may be nefarious intention to get people desperate to force them uh, to act in certain ways This does not seem normal to me. Nobody's talking about it in the corporate mainstream press. Next Uh,
1: week, I would like us to have stats on what...
0: The historical fire outbreak data in the food Uh, industry is like.
1: I will say that um, the FBI also warned food producers of possible ransomware attacks uh, from Russia, which feels really false flaggy. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, just out of gut, but I would like to see on the fire stuff. I would like to see because, like, it's one of those things, right? It's like uh, there, there's a, probably a term for it. But when you're like when you're looking for something,
0: yeah, it's um, you,
1: you see it more obviously because yeah, you don't know previous years. And like we also see it with
0: something bias, Conf- rec- uh, not recency bias, um, confirmation bias,
1: and we see it with. Uh, like obviously uh you know tankers ships freight tr- ships are severely backed up right Yeah and another but thing when, they they when they're... people post one second, when people post like just a picture of like a nautical map with all the ships on it it doesn't really tell you shit unless you know how many ships are usually there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like There's a lot of ships usually but like I'm not saying that there aren't Obviously, there's major supply chain issues uh, with with freighters, but we need to know previous year's information to really make an yeah. analysis on it.
0: Eyeball tests consider me very, uh, very Marty Jones about this. Something seems to be going on, but agree with Matt. I would like to see previous year's data on what's going on. Uh, but another weird thing, too, like the Union uh, Railroad Commission is is preventing fertilizer shipments from going. They're slowing them down intentionally for some reason at the height of planting season. Um, yeah. So here's something from,
1: fortunately when Marty first rose the alarm, I stacked a shit ton of fertilizer, but my living room smells like shit now.
0: (laughs) Does anyone have any idea why union Pacific is limiting fertilizer shipments from, uh, cf industries which seems to be jeopardizing this year's planting season yeah so marty jones thinks that there is a controlled demolition underway they are creating an energy and food crisis to get people as desperate as possible so that they can push us into some uh, tyrannical fascist mechanism in the future some panopticon they're gonna get you desperate hungry unable to travel they're gonna say here here's your cbdc wallet line up in the soy line it-
1: we have Keita in the comments saying, Wait, was a Hot Pockets plant destroyed? That's a win. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> what, uh, That's what I was going to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but again, bringing it back to the beef initiative, Cole mentioned it on Tuesday when we recorded. Like, this is another reason why we should get more grassroots distributed regenerative farming going you're less dependent on these supply chain issues uh you're less dependent on fertilizer if you're naturally fertilizing the land with your cow shit um and you you have a more robust anti-fragile operation via regenerative farming so we need to get away from these large centralized food supply operations and and decentralize the food. Food production across the country. Um, go shake your local rancher's hand, go to your local farmer's market, get them on a Bitcoin standard, start having conversations with them about how you can help. I mean, we've seen it here with KNC specifically, just in the first seven, eight months I've been in Austin. I think um, uh, I bought a half cattle and Cole, from what he said, like being on cattle. this podcast and um, getting the word out there. He's seen his business boom personally um, from the retail side. It, it is possible and it does help him out very, uh, very directly. And if we can replicate this uh, in other areas of the country, we can begin to fix these, these food supply issues and hopefully front run what seems to be a manufactured food crisis not only here in the United States but the world. Uh, that is a Marty Jones take right now. Consider me crazy. Consider me a conspiracy theorist, but just looking at it, you know, I, I will go out on a limb and say I think uh, we're going to find that the uh, instances of fires of f- food supply facilities in years past is nowhere near the the uh, the uh, level that it is and has been this year. Um, and maybe it's a coincidence. When are you freaks
1: know. out there? Get us the data. Please. Oh, a nice graph
0: yeah we need we need the, to graph the, the food supply fire data um, and then energy crisis you had the EIA come out earlier today and announce that uh, the IEA excuse me there's the EIA and then the IEA there's two energy agencies um The chief of the IEA came out and said, We're in the first ever global energy crisis. Again, this is something that I think um, is being manufactured and has been manufactured for decades. The push towards unreliable energy infrastructure and the demonization of quote unquote fossil fuels, or not fossil fuels, or uh, abiogenic, uh, organic, um, and things that that we use to create energy Um, fossil fuels is a a propaganda term used to make it seem like we can only run off dinosaur bones disintegrating it's not true at all these are abiogenic processes that happen deep underground that would happen with without um, fossils Um, but with that being said demonization of these abiogenic fuels in favor of unreliable more expensive Uh, And just as dirty in many instances, uh, quote unquote, renewables, green, more propaganda terms for you, Uh, manufactured energy crisis, manufactured food crisis, the regime, the cathedral, the global people running the proxy wars right now are losing control. And it seems like they are demonic, satanic and hell bent on holding on to the control that they do have. And a great way to do that is to get people desperate, hungry and willing to bend the knee for uh, the cbdc and the soy lines because they're so desperate to eat
1: i just want to add that and i know we have a lot of freaks that listen to tftc listen to rabbit hole recap in the car um if you drive in the fast lane and you're going slower than everyone else <laughs> you can go fuck yourself don't <laughs> I, do that i co-sign that go over to the go over to the slower lane let well, everyone pass you. it's a northeast thing dude It is not a Northeast thing.
0: No, no. Like, like the left lane, like being the fast lane, like is very, like, if you're in the Northeast, you're in the left lane, you're like, all right, if somebody's coming up faster than me, I'm getting out.
1: Be better freaks. Outside. If you're listening to this right now in your car and you're fucking going (laughs) slow as hell in the passing lane, get the fuck out of the passing lane. Dude, I'm telling you,
0: people outside of the Northeast don't understand the left lane is the passing lane. I've experienced it. Everywhere, well, so. hopefully,
1: hopefully, hopefully, the freaks will educate them. Yeah, when you're going, when you're when you're shaking your rancher's hand, make sure they're on the same page.
0: Yes, go shake your rancher's hand, give them the Bitcoin circular economy pamphlet, give them a lecture on how they should drive, <laughs> and then start distributing the money and the food supply and the energy supply. We're going to win, freaks. We're going to win, Matt. What should we wrap it up on? I know you got to get out of
1: here. Uh, uh, Shout out to my boy, Nate. I'm going to celebrate his, his nuptials.
0: Shout out to Nate. I know Nate as well. Nate, I'm very happy for you. I hope you have fun. During the celebration. TFTCOG. Been listening, reading since day one. Thank you for your.
1: Yeah. He was the first, first person in college who actually listened to me about Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. Those are always the best friends. I actually had my uh my good friend who was the first person to listen to me in college and is very thankful coming uh to Austin next week. So or two weeks. That's sweet. Yeah. So it'll be fun.
1: All
0: right. You go have fun. We'll be back here next week.
1: Stay humble stack sets.
0: Peace and love, freaks.